This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks show number 271, recorded on July 28th, 2016. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News reviews, product updates, and conversation tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AmateurGuy.tv studios. Here in a beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska, we seem to have shifted the heat all the way to the east. Those guys on New York and Washington, D.C. are just suffering right now with about 99% humidity. Cleared out, Mike. We've, God, we've got some beautiful weather. No Boston. kidding. It's been gorgeous. Like, we got rid of those 90s and dropped right in those comfortable 80s with a lot less humidity. Oh, super perfect. awesome. We could use a little rain, but of course... Yeah. Uh, Great most, Pokemon Go weather for you, uh, you know, walkers out there. Are, are people still doing that? Come on, it's yeah, over, right? No, it's I, over. Come no, on, it's still here. It's, right. Yeah, I, th- I thought it'd be gone too, but it's still here. I'd say I give it another month, and then it's and then it's gone. It'll drop oh, off. So. It's only been like three weeks, right? Yeah. yeah, that's it. This could be the biggest spike. But they're saving a lot of the features. They, it's like a very basic game right now, so they're gonna start slowly doing those, but. Yeah, well, it's yeah. been great marketing. I, hey, I wouldn't mind having that spike here on this podcast, to be honest with you. But <laughs> right. <laughs> we, uh, we, of course, post the show notes with world-class or world-class show notes out at TheAverageGuy.tv. Join us live on our new mobile app, and I think I have it up and running and actually working this week. Uh, head over to HomeGadgetGeeks.com. Big buttons on how to get that as an app for your phone if you want to have it. Just have it in case of an emergency. You don't have to listen to it all the time, but if you're on the road, it's a great streaming app and the easiest way to find what we're doing here. If uh, if you're you don't have access uh, to the live show or the recorded version of it, you can stream it right to your phone. HomeGadgetGeeks.com. Of course, Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the link to this program and many other great podcasts out at thegeeksnetwork.com. Uh, Rich Hay was on. I think he was on last week. And uh, Rich, of course, uh, does Observe Tech. Today is the 28th, guys. Tomorrow. Tomorrow is the deadline. It's the Windows, the looming Windows 10. Nathaniel, yeah. uh, have you upgraded? Are you got, all ready to I, go? Well, I've got two machines upgraded, so they're fine. They've been running Windows 10 for a while. And then I, I'm keeping my home theater PC at Windows 7 for Media Center still. And then I was debating about upgrading my Windows Home Server 2011 to Windows 10 and using it just as uh, file share and, right. and storage. Right. And I um, haven't done that yet, so I pretty much need to decide today or tomorrow or yeah. just leave it as is. Yep. Yeah, no, you, you got, by the time you're listening to this on the weekend, it is gone, and they yeah. will stop. It won't be available to you, but if you're listening live, uh, you got another day. Tomorrow is the day. We have, uh, here in the Collison House, studio is on Windows 10, but the media center sitting next to me, which is actually streaming the live show right now, kept it on Windows 7, and I, I use Never 10 right. to... Yep. Shut off the, you know, shut off the Windows 10's ads. Media Center out in the living room, Windows 7, and uh, we're not, we don't plan to change that. Wife's PC is running Windows 10, and of course we're running Windows 10 up in the kitchen. We talked about that last week. Uh, actually, the big screen, 23-inch touchscreen from Dell came in, installed a pretty nice little $12, uh, you know, mount uh, for it from Amazon up. Put everything behind it. The kangaroo's light enough. I could. I literally attach it to the wall with Velcro. So strips on the back, strips on the wall. Stuck it right there. There it sits with Velcro. I've got to do a, f- a little more work to it, and then I'll, sh- I'll share some pictures with you guys. But pretty awesome to have this. You know this this uh, the kangaroo PC right behind it fits nicely behind the mount. 
Uh, it's responsive, works great on that touchscreen. It takes a, you know, we're running HDMI and then it's taking a USB port into it for all the touch it's enabled. We bring up the weather, bring up the calendar, kind of mess around with it. We were talking in pre-show, Mike and I were talking in pre-show. I think I'm going to put a camera on that because the kangaroo has a speaker port. And although I think Ben told me that's both speaker and microphone if I plugged one of those adapters into it. But I might as well just put a camera on it, Mike. You know? I think that would probably be the easiest. Do you have still an extra USB slot open? I do. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah and actually there's a USB slot. Uh, you know, when you plug it in to the, to the touch screen, it actually uh, creates two more, creates a hub for you as well. Oh, so perfect. there's two more there in there which we could attach. So, um, yeah, I think a camera will be my microphone. We can use Cortana with it. So that's just a little update for you guys uh, out there. Uh, some of you got some feedback uh, via Twitter. Uh, I had somebody to ask me, why don't you just use the shared calendar function for the whole family? Not all of us use, uh, well, we all have Outlook accounts. My wife uses Gmail calendar. I use Outlook at work, which there's no way to sync that with uh, with the stuff that's going on. And then my daughter uh, uses something else completely. I think she uses the calendar app on her phone. So, no, we don't can't share it, and so that's why I email um, those uh, calendar invites to it. When we ever want to put it on the family calendar, you just send a calendar invite, include the Collison family account in there, and uh, it pops in. So far, so good. We're liking it. The best part is, is we bring up the weather apps and uh, f uh, push those full screen. We have it in tablet mode on Windows 10. If you've got a big, a big ass tablet, I mean that's basically what this thing is right. on the wall. It's just a really a big tablet. And uh, so we've dropped it into tablet mode on Windows 10, which goes full screen, and then you get the you get the uh, when it goes over to the to the start menu, you get the icons in the you know in the order you'd expect from the old Windows 8 days. Um, and that's the way we like it, and it works out pretty well. So there is an update on our kitchen touchscreen and kangaroo. Of course, we want to thank Ben. Or, uh, yeah, Ben Chu for joining us uh, last week. Actually, it was two weeks ago on that, and I got some great back, uh, great feedback on the program. All right, tonight uh, we're going to dig in. Nathaniel has come, and uh, we've gotten some feedback Thanks. when, yeah, you're back. He is back. When when Dwayne was on, Dwayne Robinson from Microsoft was on, we, we, we got some, uh, I got a little feedback. We got a little Microsoft heavy, and someone said, hey, what about Chromebooks? And I thought, you know, it has been a while since we really sat down and talked about the Chromebook and, and kind of went through it, and, and so... Nathaniel, I think we had you on, I don't know, six, eight, uh, nine months ago. might be good to have you back on. First of all, let's catch up with you. You're, uh, what are you doing? Where are you at? How's life for you? Things are going well. Um, it's been really good weather here in Minnesota, and then we had a lot of heat and humidity the last couple of weeks, but it just started cooling off this week, and so today was really pleasant, and we got some uh, relief from that. So it's been good. 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 Um, in terms of what I've been doing is just, keeping track of the kids running the camps and workshops for the summer and all that. Um, I've been staying home. My wife got to travel to Norway and Sweden and Denmark. Nice. So that was a good trip for her and gave me a chance to be super dad at home or uh, Mr. Mom, as my friends <laughs> called me. <laughs> yeah, that was, I had long hair and a beard when she was gone and I've cleaned up since then. So I'm now all nice. nicely shaven and yes. short hair. Yeah. Yeah, when's, when is, um, so are you still working uh, for the district? Yep, yeah, I'm okay. a 12 month. Okay, and so school starts a month from now or so maybe for you guys? Yeah, um, the district I work in, the, the students start back on the 29th of August, which is pre-Labor pre Day. That's unusual for Minnesota. Most of the districts start after Labor Day, but you can get a variance. 
if you have large construction projects going on and you need to get kids out of school earlier to extend a summer. Um, so we've been doing that. So yeah, it's August 1 is going to be when it starts getting really busy. So during the summer, we, we recycle a lot of equipment. We do some cleaning, refreshes, then we get new equipment in in July. We get it imaged and prepped and tagged and inventoried. Then we've been delivering to the buildings this week. So uh, teachers start trickling in, and then they call and say, hey, my classroom is not ready. The janitor's <laughs> unplugged everything. And so... How how Good often times. you know, you you talked about cleaning up and refreshing? Do you guys keep track of like how how much breakage do you have on a percentage basis, or just even your guess of like how many of these things break? You, how many do you have to replace? Um, Is it are you buying replacements every year to kind of keep up to kind of keep ahead of it? How does that work? Well, breakage rate. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, in Windows and iPads. Uh, our breakage rate is very, very low. I mean, five, six Windows laptops a year have enough damage that we have to send them in for warranty if we can't just replace a part ourselves um, or crack screen. We've had two or three laptops stolen um, or lost, which is, you know, not good. Uh, but it's going to happen. Very, that many, it's going to happen. Yeah, and what we've done this year is uh, interesting. We've We've implemented BitLocker on all our laptops. So we know that when they're stolen, we don't have to worry about the data being lost. Mm -hmm. um, unless, I mean, if it's not backed up, that's too bad. <laughs> but um, it's not going to fall in the wrong hands. So that's been really good with our Windows laptops. Now, the Chromebooks is a different story. We've had a much higher percentage of breakage and damage. Uh, and there's probably several reasons for that. Um, but yeah, that's higher. I not sure of a number, but I can try to look up a sort of percentage. I'm just kind of wondering. I, I'm assuming, so Windows laptops, audi what's the audience there in your school district for Windows laptops? Who are That's using our teachers. Those? Okay, so yeah. primarily teachers, and so they probably less breakage and less theft because they're, I mean, that's adults, right, from that standpoint. Yeah. Chromebooks are kids, yeah. and so probably not treated as nicely. I'm sure they're dropped yeah. from time to time, and and so it would make sense that you'd probably have a lot more. Do you have... Uh, significantly more, and you probably have more units just overall, oh, yeah. like more Chromebooks than anything else. Yeah, so I would say we have about a 10% breakage repair rate on the Chromebooks, which is pretty high. So we have about, um, I broke down the numbers, we have currently about 1,400 iOS devices, so that's iPads, some iPod Touches, and, and uh, iPhones. In our district, and frame of reference, we're a district of 8,300 students, you know, around 1,000 staff. So to give you a frame of how big the district is. So 1,400 Chrome or iOS devices we own. Then about 2,100 Windows-based devices. So desktops, laptops, and tablets, 2,100. And then 6,050 Chromebooks that we owned. And you can tack on another... Uh, probably 30% of personally owned Chromebooks. So all of our 6th through 12th graders carry a mobile device that is not a phone. So they have the choice of bringing their own laptop, Mac, Windows, Chromebook, or they can um, check out a Chromebook from the district at no cost on a long-term loan agreement. Or they can, some kids will use an iPad and it's sort of, you know, use that, but you know there's some compromises that you'll have to get around. And um, the other is we partner with Best Buy 
and there's an opportunity for 6th and ninth graders to purchase a personal device that they'll own for school at a discount. So that's where we have a blended BYOD or one-to-one -one where wow. it's some personal and some district devices, but every 6th through 12th grader is expected to have a mobile device for learning that's not a cell phone. Wow. So that causes the high breakage yeah. rate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially, no. especially in the middle school. So it's kind of a fifth, a fifth, when we think about it, a fifth, a fifth, and three-fifths when you think about your Chromebook. Um, and those are big, broad numbers, but it's not exact. But it, it's yeah. one of those things where um, you have a significant number of Chromebooks in your district and, and responsible. And it sounds like the school is responsible for most of them. Yep. Uh, and the students interact with most of them. You probably don't have a lot of teachers on the Chromebooks. You probably, well, right, mostly the kids using them. Yeah, the teachers aren't using Chromebooks as their main device, but a lot of them have them as a second device. And then we have them in a couple carts for training. So a training will happen, and we'll wheel in a Chromebook cart, and if they didn't bring a laptop, they can use that. But some teachers will have them. Some schools chose to buy a Chromebook for each of their teachers because they're, especially in the elementary where they're desktop-based, um, so they have a Chromebook to take to meetings, to do work. Uh, it's not a full Windows laptop, but they have that mobility. Yeah. Um, from, a, from a usage standpoint, there's a couple different configurations of Chromebooks. And have you guys fallen on one particular model that you're using? You know, we, there's a Chromebook stick, there's a Chromebook puck, you know, bit, yeah. I think is what it's called. Bit, yeah. There are some, there are, of course, the clamshell laptop versions. There's the inexpensive versions of that and some expensive versions of it. There's no real middle ground, it seems like. with Maybe that's changed uh, recently. What, what are you guys mostly using, or what kind, what's the inventory made up of? 99% uh, the clamshell laptop model. So, yeah, we have that because that's what fits in carts. That's what kids take home in their backpacks. Um, so we probably have 50 Chrome boxes, which are the very small form factor boxes that we mount behind the monitor on the Visa mount. So that we just stick them behind the monitor. They're Wi-Fi, so all you need is a power cord for the monitor and power in that, and then they, they're basically kiosks or, or you know, lookup stations in the library or in a lab where kids can come up, they sign in, all their stuff's right there. We have Google Cloud printing set up in the school, um, restricted to a few printers in the school, so kids can actually print their work when required. Um, and that's working and accountable. That was the trick. <laughs> we could set up Google Cloud printing, no problem, but the accounting uh, had to be there. Right. So that we have some of those Chrome boxes, and they make very cheap, affordable, you know, $180 kiosks. We have monitors that are extra, so we just stick them on monitors, and they're very um, quick and easy. We have a few of the Chrome bits, which are those little Intel NUC stick-like ones from Asus, and... We are, we're not using those seriously. We're just kind of playing with them to see how they work for displays and large monitors um, because you have an HDMI port and a USB port, and that's it. But, um, yeah, mostly, mostly, mostly the standard clamshell laptop model. And so in most cases, the kids uh, are interacting with some kind of laptop. Is it, and it, are you guys using the same model each year, or are you kind of varying just what's available because um, it seems to me the Chromebooks haven't refreshed that much in the last couple years. But well, you might have a better... You'd be wrong. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, and exactly. Um, I think the main market is education. So I, I just found a Gartner sales report from May 15, 
and you know uh, they really are in education right now. They've overtaken Apple in terms of quantity devices, 51 percent. Wow! Um, but they're so cheap. So this year we bought 700 Lenovo N22 Chromebooks, and I have one here. Um, and the their I think retail is like 180. So that price point is you could buy three iPads, you know, for that. Plus, it has a keyboard. It has a webcam. The Lenovo model is interesting because it has a uh, bezel that can flip the webcam. I can show you here. Um, let's see if I can get this up. But this webcam at the top turns around oh, so, so that they can take a picture. So if they're doing lab work, they can turn their Chromebook flat, hold it over work, and they can see on the screen what they're going to take a picture of and snap a photo because the webcam's built in. And so it's not just a selfie cam. And I was really skeptical when this came out a year ago from Lenovo. And I said, well, gee, that's a hinge right on the edge of there that's got to break all the time. So I ended up talking to a third-party warranty repair service company out of Wisconsin. And he said, you know, we, we cover 10,000 of these Lenovos under warranty repair. We've replaced three cameras. Oh wow! And I'm so like, fairly solid design. Yeah, really solid. I said, "You're you're kidding." You know, I, I don't believe it. And he said, "No, seriously, it's really, really well built." So, this year we decided to go with the Lenovo. It's got a very kid-friendly, rubbery feel to it. You know, it's plastic. It's not a MacBook Air, but um, we're really happy with it. We've had Acer's before, the C720 model and the C740s, and those are very good performing. Um, laptops or Chromebooks, and they they work very well. We've had a little higher repair rate than we would have liked with that, um, but they're good quality and fast. And I would I would say that the C740 might even be a bit faster than this Lenovo, but for the majority of our use in the hands of sixth through twelfth graders that are doing Google Docs and things, it, you know the speed isn't as critical. Yeah, looking on Amazon right now. That Acer Chromebook 15-inch, the CB5, which is a 15-inch full IPS monitor on that 4 gig of RAM, 250. Yep. So, you know, you think a, a fairly nice piece of hardware. Um, but in the consumer market, Nathaniel, do you get a feel? I mean, I've yet to see a Chromebook in the wild, to be honest with you. It's just not. Now, some of yeah. that could be where I choose to hang out in the wild, right? So it's not, it's not just that they're not out there. But do you get the feeling it's only education at this point? Um, I'm sure it's majority. So um, I, I don't know. Education probably has 60% of the business, if not more, probably more than that, of Chromebooks. Um, what I see is uh, families and friends that are buying them for their kids at home. So I have, I have uh, several here. My son uses this white one. Um, I bought this for the kids a couple years ago. It's the Acer, I don't know what model, it's the white CB3, and I think it was $160, $180 at Best Buy at the time, but it's it's plastic, but it's been very durable. It almost goes flat, and the, you know, the use, my son can sign in with his personal Gmail account or his work school account, and they're separate. It's got the webcam, the battery lasts eight hours. If he took this to school and could use it in schoolwork. It works perfectly well for him. But he can also use it at home just as easily. If it went to school and got dropped 
or stolen or damaged, I'm out 180 bucks. Not going to send my kid to school with a $700, you know, laptop ultrabook or a $900 MacBook Air. This is a, a you know, adequate tool for what he needs, and it's a low price point. I also have friends who have bought it as a second computer in their house. So they have a desktop downstairs. They do all their pictures and editing and stuff. But then up on the couch, they've got a Chromebook for checking Facebook and mail and taking notes at PTO meetings and, and things like that. Because the battery is really good. The Wi-Fi is reliable. They don't have to worry about saving files here and then copying them over there because it's cloud synced. So it's that convenience factor. Well, I think you hit on something with the iPads on you actually, you know, you have to give up a lot. You have to understand the things that are going to be a lot more difficult when you use an iPad in those settings. My um, brother-in-law, his school, his high school is all iPads. And you just see that, I think it's one of those things like the, the idea is great and it works and then you start to get around the issues of just simple stuff like printing and file management on the actual iPad and it's, it's not there. So those are actually intriguing with how is the file management on the Chromebook? Because I've never played with it. File management in terms of, give me so like let's a, say a you, scenario. Uh, transferring any sort, is it all strictly like the web apps or could you plug in a USB drive with a document or a PDF and oh, yeah. pop it up and stuff like that? Yeah, so there is some local storage. So most of the models would be like 4 gigs of RAM, 16 gig SSD. So okay, a little bit of storage. Sometimes you'll get 32 and you know I don't know what the Chromebook Pixel stores. Um, but yeah, you get some local storage, so you can certainly plug in a USB drive with some files, pictures, PDFs, documents, Excel sheets, and then you, get the, you can access them off USB or SD card. And okay. if you have a Word editor um, or something that can edit it, you know, as a part of your Google Apps um, or your Apps extensions, you can edit and save it back to USB or you can put it into your Google Drive and then have it there in the cloud. So you can transfer from local removable drive to local internal storage, from internal storage to Google Drive. So it's it's like you have Dropbox functionality just built into the machine. Gotcha. That yeah, that, that's what, yeah, because so, that's what they struggle with is, let's say, the iPad, you know, getting files on and off, submitting to, um, submitting the file oh. to online for the yeah, now uh, I know for teachers and stuff like that. That's what I mean. You know, getting those files in and out of the iPad is a lot more difficult than it needs to be. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense now. And yeah, um, so part of the benefit of to our district of the Chromebook and the and the Google ecosystem is we're all in on Indina or on Google Apps, right? So all the students use Google Mail, Google Apps, you know, calendar presentations. Right. So all their work or ninety percent of their work is done in that Google Apps ecosystem. So that turning in of work, you know, my son says he hasn't lost any papers or not turned them in. So there's a there's a ecosystem called Google Classroom that the teachers use where they set up a classroom for Biology 101 Period 3, and then they create a folder structure automatically, and the students are rostered in that classroom or they get to join it, and then that hand-in turn-in is automated. So no, it's not awesome. a... So that it's even better. It used to be the kids would type up the paper, they would take the link and email the link to their teacher, and then they'd have to share it and say, okay, my teacher has rights to edit this or view it. Right. That, that which wasn't even that cumbersome, but it was three steps, is now one step. So that classroom ecosystem for the students and teachers has really reduced that file management of Google Docs. Um, and what I will say, the iPads have gotten so much better in working with Google. So early on, 
it was quite cumbersome to type something up in pages and then email it to the teacher or put it here or upload. But the Google Apps on iPads have gotten so, so much better. So it's easy to have multiple user accounts, sign into personal, sign into that, and you just flip back and forth. Upload to Google Drive, take a picture, then you literally say send to, and you say I want to send it to Google Drive, and you put your photo up there. Or save a PDF to my camera roll or to Google Drive directly. So those iPads have gotten a lot better for that kind of work. You can edit documents in Google right on the iPad. So they're, they're really good devices, especially when the students use them for purposes. So our, our music departments really love the iPads because there's apps that work great for that because of the device that are not available in Chrome. There's not a you know equivalent or a higher quality. So there is that sort of tension of like, well, this this device, the iPad, is better for our department or for this. You know, and our, our, our engineering and Project Lead the Way group, you know, Chromebook is kind of a compromise when it comes to CAD design, you know, and all that. So right. those students have Windows machines in the labs and access, and some of the students in the high school say, you know, I'm really doing a lot with engineering and robotics, and, and a Chromebook won't cut it, so they they'll use a Windows laptop as their personal device. So it just depends. But, you know, our 80 to 90% rule is that the Chromebook covers, you know, so many uses. Well, so that Google infrastructure really helps you out. Like you said with that iPad, uh, those that Google backbone really gives you kind of the features that you need from that iPad, right? It fixes those file management issues that you might have if you don't use the Google back. Uh, yeah. Back then, you know, otherwise you have to find, you know, I think back when I was in school, it was like Blackboard, I think it was yep. a big popular, you know, application, and we, they tried to get that to run the iPads, and I think now it does a little bit better back then probably a few years ago when we were looking at it, but it's just, you always have to find kind of a, a system that works for you. Nice part about Google, from what you're saying, is we look, you guys have Windows, Apple, and Chromebooks all in the same ecosystem, and they seem to all be working out pretty well. Yeah, so obviously the Chromebook works the best, but between Mac and Windows, any easier for using the Google setup? Um, Both no. pretty simple. I mean, the Chromebook advantage for us is the low cost entry. So under two hundred dollars right. for the device. Now we have to pay a management license fee per device. It's twenty five dollars, I think, or somewhere around that for the life of the device. So as long as that physical Chromebook is under our control and working, we have the right to manage it. Now, if it fails and we replace it with the same, you know, we send it back to Asus or Acer or Lenovo and they send us a replacement, that that license will transfer. But if we dispose of it because it's no longer useful or we're not choosing not to replace it, then that license is gone. So every time we buy a new one, we buy a license. So there you add another $25, and that's, you know, tough. But the management piece we get out of it is really nice. So literally, we got 700 Chromebooks this summer, and it took a team of two adults three days, or less than three days. I'm trying to think in my head. One, two, three. Three or three and a half days to completely unbox, barcode, enroll in the system, label, and put back in the box and be done. 700. That's you know, simple. Huh? And wow. we it took us more than three days to image and inventory and prep 185 laptops. So, I mean, that ease of entry, we get a new one, we put a barcode on, we do enterprise enrollment, which means we log into it for the first time with a special account that says, this device belongs to this school district, 
As soon as it does that, it starts getting the policies pushed down to say, use this Wi-Fi address, change the you know, auto log into this, put this kiosk app on here, here's a management policy, don't allow this, add this. You know, all the policies we've set up in the management console for Chrome devices go down instantly. So the speed of setup and, and flexibility is a huge benefit to us um, from that, that point of view. Um, you know, in, in a school setting, they work really well as a one-to-one. -one. This kid can keep it and use it for three, four years, and it's their one device. Or it can work in a cart that's shared or a lab. You can have 100 different kids log into it the same day. They're all going to get to their own stuff. You're not going to have any problems with security. I mean, uh, it makes a very good shared device also. And that's one thing that has frustrated us to some degree with the iPads is for so long they, they weren't designed to be a shared device, but we were trying to use it that way. So there's right. all these compromises like, well, here's all these great apps kids can do on iPads, and they're really great. But if you share it, then you're going to be using the work from the kid before you and then getting stuff, like you said, on and off through email or Dropbox or whatever is cumbersome. So that, that's made them less effective, but they weren't designed that way. It's not that it wasn't a good device. We were using it outside of what they wanted. They wanted one-to-one, -one, like in your high school scenario where every kid had their own. Right. That makes a lot more sense. Now, Apple has developed a, um, a new management system and I want to say it's called Apple Classroom, but it's a multi-user scenario for iPads where a teacher can kind of have an oversight over multi-users logging into an iPad and doing their work and then logging out like a Chromebook. But we haven't started testing it yet. Um, we're going to do that and see what the benefits are um, and how it works. But so far, uh, it has a lot higher hardware requirements, so we have to have newer iPads in order to enable it. All the shared ones that kids are logging in and out to have, a, have to have a lot more storage to support multiple profiles. Right. So I see some challenges with it, but you know we're going to explore that because there are a lot of benefits to the simple touch interface, interactive multi multimedia of the iPads. Um, so it's it's interesting. You, um, Nathaniel, you've got some testimony from your from your 14 year old. Uh, talk a little bit about you. You went. We couldn't get him on the show. We tried. You tried. Yeah, I tried. Yeah, Mason he, said, he no, said "Are people going to be watching this?" And I said, "Well, yeah. Some people are watching it, and more listen to it." And uh. yeah. Okay. So anyway, I asked what him. He's say? he's going into ninth grade. So he just finished three years at the middle school, and in the district I live in, where he attends school, they're not in a position to be one to one or bring your own device yet. But they have multiple carts in the middle school that get shared around and moved around and so he's had a lot of opportunity at school to use Chromebooks for work and then I have the one I bought for him to use here at home for his work and at home and they're also a Google Apps district um, and he, he just basically said yeah it's really good for writing papers he can email his teachers because they're all in the address book and so you know he can email and say oh I you said I'm missing this work but here it is or whatever he's never lost any homework because it's always in his account. And with Google Classroom, it's almost like a template gets pushed out to his account that says, here's your book report for June, you know, and there's a template and he all he needs to do is put his name on it and then start writing the content. So he likes that. He's learning to manage his files in an electronic format, sorting out by grade, not by grade, but um, subject and things. 
and and that's a skill that we all have to work on. You know, how many of us have inboxes that are ten thousand messages and documents folders that are just a mismatch of everything? And so he's learning that, and um, he just likes it. That's the same at school, at home, um, and in the class they are very flexible. So the teachers can say, okay. I have the cart today, so everybody go pick up a Chromebook, take it to your desk. We're going to do this lab experiment, and I want you to take notes in the spreadsheet. And da, 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 da. They all have a device that works the same way, and they can take it to the lab in the back. They can take it to the front of the room. They can send kids out in the hall to work a bit, and the, the battery is going to last all day. So it's not like, all right, plug it in so the next class gets a little more power before you know they come in. So that flexibility is good and an iPad would do the same thing and a lot of Windows laptops would be very very similar we just found that the battery works much much more efficiently because it's it's really lightweight hardware well lightweight software too to be honest yeah so I, I mean, right. web browsing <laughs> after four years though for those kids who are using the one-to-one -one program in your district after four years, are you seeing the battery life and the computers still hold up pretty well at the end of those four years? Because that was the big problem at my high school with the Macs. We had the plastic MacBooks, and oh man, by the end of four years, those things were in rough shape. The battery lasted maybe 10 minutes, and so they oh, were yeah. dealing with those were on the rotation. They didn't last very long, but are the Chromebooks holding up a little bit better? Yeah, they, I mean, the funny thing is that we bought some in 2012... 2013, the first ones, and these were the real expensive Samsungs. There were the 550 models and 500s, and they were close to $500 or so. They work exactly the same as the brand new Chromebooks we bought because wow. the Chrome OS is exactly the same. I mean, under the hood, the firmware and, and that kind of stuff is different, but the, the software runs the same way. Now, they're going to be slower. Um, they're not going to have the same video capability, so all the Chromebooks now come with HDMI out, multi-screen multi support, uh, mirroring, Chromecasting. Uh, they're not going to have all of that capability, but they, they really work the same way. And some of those early ones are really well built, and we still have them and use them. Then you get a model that was, you know, they dropped the quality a bit, and then it wasn't built as strong, and those ones are falling apart in the sense that you know, they're four years old. They've just reached, they just had their three-year anniversary. And, you know, the ones that are working, we keep using. But as they break, it's harder to get parts. The parts have gone up in price because of uh, supply. And so those, that three-year lifespan is, you know, if we can get three years out of Chromebook, I think that's very reasonable. Uh, four years that you're getting lucky. Okay. So his experience has been good. Uh, what about... What about year over year? Okay, so I'm an eighth grader. I'm in high school, let's just say, and I've got documents I want to keep. Right. Uh, do those are those stuck in the school space, or can I, well, as a student, can I pull those out and put them in my own Google space? Yep, yep. So we don't restrict that. You could, we could say, you know, not share with outside. Don't that. So we allow Google Takeout for our students. So especially the seniors. They can go in, go to Google Takeout, sign in, and it says, hey, do you want to download your data? You say yes, and if you're on a Windows or a Mac, it's a little easier because you can take this file, and I've seen some of them download one to two gigs of stuff because it'll download the Word docs or download any native document as is, and it'll download and convert your Google Docs, your Google Spreadsheets will convert to Word and Excel, and so they, they can download a zip of all their stuff, and then they can go through it and choose what to do. That's the fastest way. But and a lot of them build portfolio websites, so they create a Nathaniel's portfolio Google site, 
in sixth grade and start sharing their work, their best work each year. This is my best English paper from sixth grade. This is my best science project. And then after 12th grade, they've got this really great portfolio of their work through their career. They don't want to just throw it away. So what they can do is add that. They can copy the site. They can share it with a personal Gmail account, take ownership of it, you know, rename it. They can, they can transfer that site out personally and continue it and be able to carry it on. And teachers, we allow them to take out their stuff too. Um, so they can do it onesie, twosie. I can say these, these 12 documents are really good. I'm going to share them, make a copy with my personal account, and um, they, can, they can do that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be a digital hoarder. I'd take everything. And, you know, because I kept a lot of my, even when I was a kid, I kept a lot of the schoolwork. Uh, up until maybe about 10 years ago, and then I'm like, why am I keeping these papers you know, from <laughs> um, high school, right, type deal. I, I, but I was a, I'm was a little bit of a hoarder that way. Well, I think we all are, but yeah, that, uh, yeah, it, it, and you save it, oh, you know, I might need these someday, I'm going to need this, and then you find you've never touched no. it, you know. Until you delete it, and then a year later, you you think, oh, this would be perfect, and it's gone, you know, it's always that way. Um. Nathaniel, you, any other? So you you got some school benefits listed. We talked yeah. about the ability for mobile labs. For it works great both in small and large groups. Um, it's a second laptop for the teacher uh, in the classrooms. You you talked a lot about having it managed. Everything's managed in the cloud. You mentioned and you've you mentioned this before. Easy restore. So if if one gets kind of mucked up, pretty pretty easy to just blast that thing, put a new image back on it, right? And boom, you're back up and running. Yeah, there's two ways that we do. One's called just a, a local wipe, where you tell the system to clear out the local data and re-image itself from the internal drive. So that's the fastest, easiest. Re it re-enrolls automatically because we put activation lock on it. So if a student did that to a Chromebook we own, it would go back in, and as soon as they'd sign in, or the first sign-in would say, oh, you belong to the school district. So that prevents that sort of theft or early on we had some creative students that figured out how to install Linux on it and so that that's now <laughs> locked out but um, the other option if you're really in trouble is you can use a Chrome app to say I have this model Chromebook download the installer to my USB drive and then you can install that off USB those are the two troubleshooting things we do and if it's not that it's hardware so that's about it then just then it goes in for for warranty. Yeah, I mean we don't have viruses to worry about. Um, there's not ransomware that I'm aware That's of. That's surprising that with as many schools that are using that as as big of a target, you know, it's a pretty big footprint now from just a sheer number. Surprising those haven't crept up yet. I'm I'm sure it's not completely unhackable, right? I, I bet there are some things you can do. Um, there always probably. there always are. Yeah, always I mean. Are. I don't worry about the data because there's not much data stored locally and all the accounts are siloed. So as an administrator, I can't even go into a local account on a Chromebook and see what data was there. Right. It's just not available. It's uh, And, you know, if it's left... I picked up a Chromebook last week downtown Minneapolis at the Metro Transit Station that was left on a bus. And they called us and they said, hey, it's got your sticker on it. You guys want to come pick this up? Yep. I went and picked it up. It was right underneath Target Field and uh, took it back. We wipe it. We know who had it. We uh, clean off the screen, and it's good to go. Nice. But, yeah. You know, right. and so that kid's going to have an interesting discussion when he comes back and says, yeah, I don't have my Chromebook. Oh, <laughs> like this one? 
You mean this one? Yeah. We also we also talked about, and you've got this set up. They make pretty good video conferencing. I mean, we could have brought. You've got one set up right now that you could uh, you could turn the video on, and yeah. bring into the hangout. I will um, I'll highlight it when you do that. Let's see if it'll go here. Yeah. No, we see you here. Now you're gonna hear the audio through the other. Yeah. But the yeah, camera yeah. should show. No, right on. That looks pretty good. Yeah, it does. This is, this is that swivel camera. You know that I can turn around. Oh, nice! And you notice it flipped. The even though it's 180 degrees flipped over, it righted itself. Yeah, this is so a point. If you're listening to audio down. only, you uh, you might want to come out and watch the video. That pretty good resolution too. Yeah. So the kids in the labs can see. You know, here's a picture of the plant growing, or you know, whatever they're doing. Um, so that's pretty good. But, yep, this is just the Lenovo. They self-update, and I can lock as the admin. I can say, I don't want to go above version 49 for whatever reason, and then all of ours will stay at 49. Or I can say, I want this building to stay at version 48 and this building to go to 49. So one of the big things in the school, and I keep going back to that because that's my main experience, is we've had so much online testing the last couple of years. So we've had three big web-based online testing scenarios, and we can deliver those over the Chromebooks through what's called kiosk apps. So before you sign in, there's a menu that says apps, and I can control which apps are available to anonymous users before they sign in. So they boot it up, they click the apps menu, and there's one, two, maybe three choices. Launch the NWA app, launch the MCA app, or whatever, Park or Two Pearson. And then it goes into the testing application right away, and then they do their test, and they have to sign into that to authenticate who they are, and then they close it, and it's back. So we can test six, 700 kids in a building on Chromebooks all at once. So as much pain as online testing is, um, when we had to cycle them through labs, and if we were lucky, we had two or three labs in the high school, and you get 90 kids an hour. Now, you know, we can do 1,400, 2,100 across the district as long as we have the devices. And then when we're done, we take that app away. Yeah. That's it. And is it just a control console? You just go into yep. the web. you got an admin console on the web. Yep. Log in with your credentials. Yep. Set this for these. Boom, you're done. When the vendors create the application. So, you know, Pearson makes the application, says, here's the Chrome app. Here's how you deploy it. Boom, boom, boom. It's gone. And, you know, we have to configure it to go to our district or some things like that. But they've made it much easier for us, too. Um, and that we wouldn't have been able to do it in, you know, a week. It'd right. be the nine-week window. So you see a lot of this in the school level. But from an average guy standpoint, when we think about using it at home, you brought them home. Is it a viable, I mean, for what most people are doing, you think about, you know, just your average teenager or even somebody going to college, is the Chromebook a, a viable, you know, can it replace a Windows or a Mac PC, do you think? Um, I switched. Now I'm only using the Chromebook, oh, so okay. I hear a lot more echo. Yeah. I don't know. You'll notice it's not as good. But uh, I don't know about in college. I'm suspicious that most college students would want more. Um, but in K-12, it's, it's pretty good. The one complaint my son and probably his friends have is it won't run Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably a good thing for those younger students. 
Yeah, well, he it doesn't just Steam, but you know, web-based games, Netflix, YouTube, Khan Academy, Tinkercad, all that stuff that's web-based will run. And uh, I, I wouldn't know. College would be an interesting question. Uh, I can see it for taking the notes in class, but... Can you run any software doing? like a Python or... Can you do anything? Is there any software development? You know, a lot of my developers use Visual Studio, so we're out there. But any, can you run any of those kinds of things on there to write code? I don't know. Oh. That's a good question. If you have a web-based coding app, sure. Yeah. So, for example, Tinkercad.com is a 3D modeling tool. You sign into a free account, and it's like Google SketchUp where you make 3D models and share them and design them. It's extremely powerful for beginning. Then you can download a STL file and put it into a 3D printer. My, my kids have done that. I think, I think those things would actually be fine for a lot of college students. When I think of you know what a lot of the run-of-the-mill college student used it for was, hey, if I can watch Netflix and take my notes and do my papers, I'm pretty good. So I think actually, I mean, for, for a majority of them, I think it would be all right. Now, you're right. A lot of them are going to want more um, in terms of any sort of media editing and things like that. But for, I'd say, about 75% of the kids I knew, it was Netflix and notes, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would encourage people to try it. If they're like, oh, I need to get a laptop for school, go look at one of the dozen models of good Chromebooks. Pick one that has a screen you like and the size and and for half the cost, try it. Well, for that price, I think you're going to beat out any sort of netbook that you would find that's close to that price in for and you know in terms of like usability, functionality, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the ASUS X205TA that was put up in the chat room, and that's a Windows 8 laptop. And it's got two gigs of RAM, 32 SSDs, so a lot like the Kangaroo with a screen. And that's 189 or 168. What so kind of process the price is that? there, but I would be surprised if it runs as quickly and easily as right. a Chromebook just because of the um, overhead of running Windows. Maybe Windows 10 is fast. Hey, tried. Nathaniel, do me a favor. Switch back over, would you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's uh, We'll get better audio that way. Mark uh, asked a question. Adequate, but not as good. No, no, it's my ears. My ears will thank you for. Thanks. <laughs> Mark says the biggest problem uh, I saw with the Chromebook is the fact that you used to need an internet to access anything. Not sure if that's still the same. You couldn't do anything locally in the early days. Has that changed, Nathaniel? I mean, you're you're yeah. using these things. Are there some local access? Is it working better yep. locally? Yeah, that's a great question. So, and my mic's working now, right? Yeah, much better. Thank you. Sounds better to me too. So, <laughs> um. Yeah, you can do local access, so it has that internal storage where you can put files that you're working on. And then Google Docs, I think by default now, is offline mode when you're in a Chromebook, so it downloads local copies of all those Google Docs. So you can open them up, edit them, and it'll, it'll tell you, I'm in offline mode, you know, all your changes will get synced when you come back online, and then you go online and it syncs it back up to the cloud. And, and it does do a good job of keeping track of versions and where you left off and what changes were there. Revision history is just built in by nature, so back and forth is, is not a problem. Um, and the same with Gmail. So you can type a bunch of emails, 
they'll get staved in your outbox drafts, you know, whatever, and then when you get online, they go. You're not going to be able to do things that you have to be online for. So you can't surf the web, you can't do research, you know. Yeah. Um, but but in terms of the email and editing and that kind of stuff, it works offline too. So it's not as limited as it was. Certainly much much better when it's connected. Yeah, it's it's really designed to be connected. It's funny when you switched over to the Chromebook, it was like it was your twin brother. It wasn't exactly you. It had a different color shirt because the blue <laughs> was different. Yeah. Oh, and then it was it was a different angle, and it was just slightly off. Like one, they were not exactly in sync. So if you looked at both at the same time, you have to come watch the video on this. If you're listening to the audio, you come watch the video. It's almost like it was two different people. It wasn't exactly yeah. There you go. It wasn't exactly the same. <laughs> that's true. The know. blue is totally different. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Oh, look exactly. at that. You're telling me that this little webcam isn't as good as the Logitech C920? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's better or not, but here, well, for the video, there's, I think it's just the uh, the lighting that's different, right? So oh, we, yeah. have a, we have a little shadow on this view, and then, of course, this is straight on, and so you, um, you, you got all the light coming forward. I assume if you put that in front of you, we will probably get the same color. Not, yeah, not the cameras oh, are really on. close now. They are. It's still blue. <laughs> it's it's still a, a a much darker blue on the Chrome side than it is on the uh, than it is on the webcam side. We're flipping back on the live video from them, but no, it was just funny because it was like your twin brother, and I uh, wasn't quite sure who was uh, who was on with us from that standpoint. We'll flip that off. There we go. Well, I think a, a pretty good update. I think um, you know the Chromebook is definitely in one of these places where it has matured in the last three years. I think it's gotten better. They've answered some of the critics' questions. I think for some users, it's legit as far as a productivity box, something to use to to edit, to you know, to create things, to do some simple edits on stuff, to control the web. It's a, if you got web apps, those kinds of things, are you worried about if checking? Are you worried about checking bank accounts and will it run LastPass in the browser? That's, oh yeah, that's a good question. Okay. I couldn't use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a Chrome extension. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. No, yep. So it self-updates. Yeah, no, I would have a hard time if it didn't have that built and it in. It plays video, right? You can get yep. YouTube video. Can you? Yep. And I imagine you could even edit videos using the YouTube editor. That they've gotten a brand new uh, vid video editor on YouTube, and you could probably, because it's all web-based, you could probably make some pretty mm -hmm. good video edits. Yeah, and there's some third parties. So We Video is another one that does video editing on browser, which would work on any browser, but you know, Chromebook related. So there's there's some of that. I mean, if you're serious. It it really is not going to meet your needs. You know, you're not you're not having you don't have the power and the the range of desktop based act applications. But yeah, you know, it's it fits a good need. It's a good price point. Um, you know, and especially for my kids and around the house, it's great when we travel. I'll take it. Now I don't I don't carry one for work. Um, I have a Windows 8.1 laptop, but uh, that's because I need to run. Windows-based system administration tools. So I could RDP into another VM or a desktop from that and do it that way, but it's just a little easier to take one device with me and, and not worry about that. I did yeah. carry a Chromebook quite a while, but then I just had it. And the other thing it would be lacking in some um, instances is VPN. So you're not going to get the same VPN options you would on a Mac or a Windows-based desktop. It's kind of ironic that you would be maybe on a Chromebook and you would remote desktop into a Windows VM that's running on Azure to do 
administration work in the Google Cloud. Yeah. <laughs> but that would be a little bit unnecessary, but uh, you could do that. And, and it does do remote desktop, so yeah. I can, if I'm on the internal network, I can certainly use it to RDP into a desktop or, or anything. Um, and, and VMware View is starting to have more browser-based desktops, and there's third parties um, that'll do all browser-based desktop, but you know, we're not asking kids It'd be silly to buy Chromebooks to have kids access a Windows-based virtual machine. Right. Like, right. okay, well, that's a little roundabout. But well, and it's possible. a lot of bandwidth, too. It's yeah. a ton of bandwidth. Yeah. yeah. So, no, as, as long as it's working, I think a pretty good update uh, from, from the Chromebook. I mean, it's, I, I asked this question. You know, I, you, you'd asked me early on, hey, what are, what are some of the questions we're going to talk about? And I, one of them was, I haven't seen a new Chromebook in a while. Has Google completely quit on the Chromebook? I mean, is it is it something? And yet... When I went to Amazon and looked, man, there was a ton of them out there. So, you know, there's a lot of different models, um, ranging from $165 to, I imagine, you know, all the way up. I, I don't know if the Pixel, didn't they call that the Chrome Pixel? Wasn't that yeah. a really expensive version? I don't know if, yeah. I haven't heard about that. I stopped listening to This Week in Google. I used to listen to it all the time, and they would they would talk about those. And uh, that's maybe the reason it's dropped off my radar. It's just because I haven't listened to that um, to that show in a while, but it does seem like there's a lot of there's a lot out there, and they've continued to make them. And yeah, so, well, I think the Chromebook Pixel is still out there, and that's you know twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, but you're getting you know a, a really high res IPS display, multi touch glass, three pounds, i7, sixteen gigs of RAM, USB C. I mean, it's a really nice piece of hardware, and a lot of people will say, well. If you're going to spend $1,300, $1,200, why would you buy Chrome OS? You know, why not buy a Mac or a Windows PC that has the same hardware but all the more flexible software? And, you know, I personally wouldn't spend $1,200 on a Chromebook Pixel either. It's not there. One of the things I think that makes for the variety of choices, if you look at the Google Chromebook website, um, there's a lot of current models there, is... I think what happens, and I don't know this for sure, is that they'll have reference designs. Here are the specs we want to see in these models. This chip, this amount of RAM, these pieces and components. And then manufacturers can take that and then basically skin it to make it look like their own. So whether it's Asus or Dell or others, they're all kind of built on the same reference design with just different uh, flavors to it. Because, I mean, it does have to be certified by Google, you know, because not the way Apple controls the hardware, but to have Chrome OS official, it has to be a supported hardware model. You know, that's why when you download an ISO to reinstall, it's very model-specific. Now, there there is a third-party company called Neverware that is starting to sell Chrome OS management license that you can install onto old hardware. So you could you could install it onto like old HP or Dell laptops that aren't meeting the needs for Windows anymore, but you could you could purchase this license and put Chrome OS and manage it through your console on this old hardware. And it's sort of like um, schools that would install Linux on old hardware. Well, Windows is too bloated and slow, so we're going to put Ubuntu on there. And um, so that's an interesting thing. We haven't explored that um, just because there it's been cheap enough to buy new and not have to repurpose. And then you're dealing with this eight pound 
HP laptop that has a battery that lasts 20 minutes. So it's kind of... <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. Kind of defeats the purpose. Although but there's I think a lot. I mean, even at Best Buy, there's probably six models when I watched the end of Best Buy. Yeah. To look at, so... I think you're going to find the old Windows, the bloated Windows thing is going to decrease. They, they've been really working on the efficiency of the kernel. And I even on those Kangaroo, the, the newest version, I'm running. So, so I think uh, 383, which is what we talked about last week, is the most current version available in the fast ring. Um, it, and I think that's going to be what goes live here on August 2nd when Windows 10 goes live, actually runs better than the, the 1511 version of Windows 10 on the Kangaroo. It responds better. It, it, it does, it's just it's a little bit faster. And so I think you're going to see, because that's been a huge complaint of Windows for a long time. And I think you're just going to see them continue to make that kernel more and more efficient uh, as it gets into slower and slower pieces of equipment. Uh, and maybe not slower, but not as not as resource intense. The, on that Kangaroo, two gig was a little weird at first, but it's actually with the newest update of uh, Windows 10, it's running pretty well. So I don't, I hardly notice on that touchscreen up there in the kitchen. I hardly notice that it's it's laggy at all, like I did maybe with some earlier versions or later versions of Windows 8 or the early versions of Windows 10. So. So yeah. you're, so when the anniversary update's coming in early August, is that right? August second is when it starts to roll. Yeah. The not a service pack, service pack. Correct. Correct. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna take the kangaroo I have. I got the original, and I just couldn't use it. It would it would like go to sleep, and then I couldn't wake it up, and I didn't even know which the power button was. So I put it to the side, and I'll come back to this later. But if that anniversary update, or even now, I think I can reset it to factory settings. Yep. Yep. Get it to boot back up, and I'll try that again because yeah. I wanted to use that because I thought, oh, this is going to be nice because it's so portable and small, and I can hook it up to the TV or a laptop—not a laptop, but just a monitor. But it just—it just crashed on me, and it was slow, and and especially when you did the updates. Oh my gosh, you took it out of the box and it's trying to update, and it's like six hours later it well, restarts. Well, super hot too. It gets, still yeah. gets super hot on <laughs> an does. update. But maybe yeah. with this update, it'd be worthwhile give, to try to factory reset and, and mm -hmm. get that going again. Yeah, if you if you do a factory reset right now, put it in the fast ring, uh, so it'll take it back to Windows 10, you know, 15.11 in that branch, and then uh, just put it in the fast ring and wait 24 hours. Although that means between now and then, you know, there's so many things going on at Microsoft as they're gearing up for it. It might just pay to just wait until early August and let it update on its own. Uh, take the update. Uh, I'd be interested in your feedback, Daniel, and, and how you used it. Right? We're. I've even noticed a difference. Uh, went from VG. We went, and this wasn't making a difference, but we went to HDMI from VGA. I'd been running on a VGA oh, monitor, yeah. and then touchscreen has been dynamite. So, for me, taking it off VGA and putting on HDMI, and then going full touchscreen, and it's responsive, and it's. I mean, up on the wall, it feels good. And, yeah. Uh, so. Um, yeah, no, I like your kitchen kiosk model idea. I mean, that's yeah. pretty sweet. I would, I would like to try that, especially with touchscreen. And if the monitor had built-in speakers, that'd be nice. So yeah. the fewer cables and parts, the better. Yes. Yeah. And um, I would put PlexSap on there. And yeah. I've been real happy and having a lot of fun building my Plex library. So just throw PlexSap as a big Metro app, and then I've got music and TV shows and movies just all flip through, flip, flip, flip. I think that might be a good scenario for that. Yeah, the the monitor I bought, not built-in speakers. It's basically a gigantic tablet. But I've I think I'll mount if I at some point we'll either mount a sound bar across the top, or Mike and I were talking, maybe using the Bluetooth that's available in Alexa, which is up there, 
and just Bluetooth the uh, audio over to, I think. I think, I think that's dynamite. I think that'll be awesome. I think it'll recognize it. We'll have to see. So uh, that may be another option to uh, to get audio out through Alexa. Yeah, yeah, that'd so be cool. I have to give it a try. I don't know if it'll work, but I have to give it a try. So yeah, I will. I will bring it back out and try it. I think I'll wait till that updates come out, and then I can just do a reset. Yeah, I I do it for sure. And get it going, and getting an HDMI monitor makes a big difference. Oh, huge difference. I was doing the HDMI to VGA or DVI, and I was like, oh, it's I just just super go find crisp. It. It's really crisp and clear. And then I bought a mount. I didn't buy a flat mount. I bought one that's on a swivel, right? It's mm-hmm. got all the difference. And if I ever needed to get the kangaroo out, I would literally just pull the monitor. I mean, very easy, gently pull it out, and it's sitting on the wall right there in its case. And so it's in that L-shaped, you know, um, dock, and I could just pop it right out and and uh, take it take yeah. it wherever I want to go. And when I come back in. Slide it back in the dock, and uh, we're good to go. So it's uh, all the cables hide nicely behind that monitor, and and it's set up pretty well. Again, I'll take some pictures and post it on the site. But do you have a um, do you have a speaker system up there, like for your TV? I don't. Okay. What, up in the kitchen, you mean? Yeah. No. I'm thinking you get like a Chromecast no. uh, audio. I just get one of those. Oh. Get one of those I light love bulbs. The Chromecast audio. There you go. Yeah. Those are awesome. They're great. If you use Google Music or Spotify or iHeartRadio, it's just like, boom, send it. Super I think the good. day I move into the new house is the day I go out and buy about two of those and try and, and really have some fun with it. Yeah. So if we have a few more minutes or a little bit yeah. of time, I have some new gadgets in the household yeah. here that Walk I us want to brag about and pretty excited. So the cheapest one that I'm really happy with, I have a 2003 CRV, and so CRV owners know that some of that model in the subsequent years, had like vertical handlebars around the climate controls. So there's you could use a vent mount for a phone, or you could try the CD mount, or I don't want to do a suction cup on there, but it has these vertical handlebars that are kind of useless, unless I don't know why you'd even handle them. But I've been trying to use golf cart GPS mounts where it has a strap that goes around a handle or imagine a handlebar on a bike or a golf cart that would hold your GPS unit where my cell phone, I'd put my iPhone in there and it would ratchet down and hold it so that it's sort of displayed on my lower right, invisible, plugged into the cigarette lighter for power. And those would work for a while, but they'd wear out. So I found this device on AliExpress called the Chotech or Chiotech adjustable with universal bicycle, bike, mobile phone mount holder with 360 degree rotation and rubber strap for $11. This is AliExpress, so it took three months to get here. Not really, but three weeks. It is the best device ever. So it has this, um, I don't know if you can if you can get the link and share it up on the screen. Yeah, there. the link's both in the chat room and I'm showing it on the screen right now. Yeah, it it has this C clamp that you can ratchet down with a screw that would mount onto the vertical handlebar of my car, and then two rubber arms or sides that kind of just spring load against the phone. And it has these rubber straps that you're supposed to put over the corners, but I never do that. If I was biking, maybe I would. It is the best $11, and it's worked really well. And the the big advantage is that C clamp holds that. Um, vertical bar really really strong and easy so it's not going to wear out over time so that was awesome I was I was very proud of that some of the stuff I've gotten on AliExpress not so great but that one that was a winner 
shipped directly from China. Yep. Right. Yep. And um, so I mean, this you you have bars, and I I, I don't understand the car. Um, uh, it's hard to describe. Okay. CRV 2003. No, that's, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Find a picture of it. Uh, dashboard. <laughs> Come on, images. It's hard to describe, but it. Yeah. Here's one. I'll put it in the chat room. Yeah, so if you look to the right, above the temperature dial, you'll see a, a vertical bar going up and down. But I don't want to use the vent because I want the air to come out. I don't want to block yeah. that, and I don't want it as high as the dashboard. Oh, I see what you're talking about. I see what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, so you're clamping it onto those those sides. Yep. You know, I, I I ran into the same issue with it in my Honda, especially as hot as it's freaking been here in Nebraska. Yeah. And I actually just moved the, the whiz gear all the way to the top and then moved this, the, the, you know, the thing on my phone closer to the bottom and so now it only takes up half the vent and uh, you know so yeah, I know you like those magnet cases those are pretty sweet too I tried that it, it didn't work for me but this this was good so any yeah, CRV owners <laughs> right yeah and pretty it cool for any phone so that's kind of nice too and and on your bike you can take it yeah, to take for it to all your my bike. biking yeah or yeah. golf carting take it to the bike anything else Nathaniel that uh, any other gadgets you got Yep. So I got the um, I got a push button deadbolt for the back door with Z-Wave and tied into SmartThings. So it's got the keypad for typing in a code. Each of my kids has their own code. I have a code, and it has been a huge benefit this summer. So the um, I don't I don't carry a house key anymore because I just use the code on the back, and I can tell in SmartThings where it's locked or unlocked, and I can lock it or unlock it from my phone if I want. I don't do that. Um, but it's just been a convenience uh, benefit. So I know there's probably potential security problems with using Z-Wave security and, and locks and that, but I, for me, I'm not as worried about it because about six of my neighbors have a key anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just been really nice, and the kids can come and go in the summer. They don't have to worry about locking it or having a key. It's, it's been a, it's a good, good well-rated, well Easy to install, um, nice. How does nice it get power? It has a little battery. Little nine volt. Yeah, little nine volt. Something in there. Yep. We um we've got one of those. We have a Schlage version of it that we put on the back door. Oh, I replaced that door. I'm gonna say five or six years ago, maybe more, seven or eight. And uh, Schlage makes a really nice one. Looks just like this. Mm -hmm. Put it on the back door. Gave each of the kids a code, and then we had a neighbor code. And yep. uh, we've able to change that from time to time. No app. This is before the app days for all these. No Z-Wave, no Wi-Fi, none of that stuff. But it, it there have been times we need the neighbors to come in and, and um, feed the cat. And uh, we give them, we create a neighbor code and just give them the code. And they can come in during, coming in and out uh, during those 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 days. And, um, and then disable the code or whatever. I find it incredibly handy. If I'm out working in the yard, I need to come in back through the back door and it's locked. Just hit you hit the schlag and put in the four digit pin and yeah. it, you hear it engage and turn the dot and then you're in. I don't yep. have to carry my keys. I don't have to go back around. So I'm not sure, Nathaniel. I put one of those on the front door. I, I, I'm just not as like, right. I and I have it on. Yeah. Yep, I have it on the back door. 
where we go in and out 90% of the time. Right. And um, it has, you can use, you know, 10-digit codes if you want. Um, and you still have to lock the door. You can do it manually or you can do it by app. You could probably set a timer. Like, after 20 minutes, if you're unlocked, go ahead and just lock automatically. I don't really want to do that yet. But, no. um, yeah, it's it's been nice. And ours I, isn't I like that it. fancy. Uh, it spins. But the interesting thing is the lock spins. You know, the handle spins on the outside if you haven't put a key in or even a, you know, a code. And then when you put the code in, you can hear the gear engage and then it, it yeah. allows you to turn it. So I've seen those. This one doesn't have any outside thing to turn. Mm. You just type, 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 yeah. and then hit the button and it goes by itself. Yeah. So those are those are good too. This one, I did some research and I thought this Yale one's got some good ratings. I'll, I'll give it a try. Yeah. Yeah, the older version, we have the, the, the low-speed version. By the way, and you can buy this one without the Z-Wave. Right. So if you don't want that smart connectivity, you can just buy it as a door. And, and I've never replaced the battery. It's still, I was thinking about now, Mike, when you asked, yeah. like, what's the battery? And I was thinking, you know, I've never taken that so thing apart. So five or six years, that's last Yeah. Time. Wow. Yeah, I th and I think it's a 9-volt. I think it's just a little 9-volt that sits in there. It could be two AA's. 9-volt would be better, but right. uh, lasts a little bit longer. But um, I, you know, who knows? I just, as you say that, uh, I, I think, yeah, I haven't replaced that battery in a while, and it does have a battery because it, it, as soon as you hit the Schlage button, it yeah. lights up for you. Yeah. The whole keypad lights yeah. up. Then you can well, put your code in. If yours doesn't have the Z-Wave component or, or smart home, then it's probably not using a beacon all the time. So no, no. it's going to drain the battery far, far slower. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. We've, I've loved having that back there, even though it's old school. Um, yeah. I wouldn't. I'd, I'd probably do that again and not go with a Wi-Fi enabled. Um, I think that's. I'm not. You know, locks and that stuff. I'm still not there yet. It's kind of like uh, I like a key or a code, and I think I'm pretty good because chances are my phone would be dead or something when I the time I need it. I either I wouldn't have my phone on me because that's a like when I go out and mow the yard. I don't take my phone out with me, and if that back door is locked, I don't want to have to unlock it with my with my with my phone. Now I know this has got a keypad still, but it's just one of those kinds of things. It's like, well, eh, I think I'm good with uh I think I'm good with in that case. I think I'm good with the keypad cuz that's I'm always there and mm -hmm. I know my and I know my four digit code. So that seems to work pretty good. A whole host of devices though coming out with locks and garage door oh, yeah. openers. Yeah, garage door openers. Well, Dwayne was talking about that earlier. You know, the different options of getting a controller or a whole new... And wasn't he saying just buy a whole new garage door, garage door opener? opener? Don't yeah. buy the kit, just get a real yeah. one. And here's the benefits of doing that. So I, right. that's a project I want to get to sometime so I can see, did it, is the garage door open or is it closed? If it's open for 20 minutes, close it. Or just that sense of uh, peace of mind. I was thinking about checking out the prices on those because the house we're moving into, the third car garage doesn't have a opener yet on it. It's just a manual. So I'm like, oh, that'd be a perfect time to whenever I decide to put one in there to try and go for the one of the smart features. But I'm wondering how much more those are than just the regular openers. I don't know. Uh, I know yeah. the, kit, the kit from Lowe's is like $99, isn't it? Uh, yeah, to add on the add-on. Add okay, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say. Yeah, the Go Control linear Z-Wave garage door opener remote that you kind of insert in between is eighty-five. So it's gone down a little bit, but I it kind of makes sense. Like, well, if you get a whole whole unit that's integrated, then you've got the ability to say open closed, 
right? It's probably a lot more precise. Yeah, and I bet you can find them on sale. Tony says he got his for thirty nine. So, oh, watch, wow. watch yeah, those. Hey, hang around for the post show a little bit. Nathaniel, thank you for. It's always great to have you on. I, I oh, love thank you. having you on, and uh, we always. I know we always default to Chromebooks, but that's kind of your specialty for our for our. Um, that's not true. Last here. time we talked a lot about Open Mesh, and that's been that's coming true. back up in that's uh, true. home forum. So yeah, yeah, no open. There'll be uh, Dave. Uh, Dave McCabe has uh, got some more stuff coming up on Good. that. So you're gonna kind of wanna you wanna kind of keep track. If you were a home server show listener, and Dave and I have not done a bunch of home server shows, but if you were a home server show listener, you might wanna pay attention to what's going on uh, over there, especially as we get ready for the meetup. So meetup 2016 Indianapolis taking place September 17th. Uh, head over to homeservershow.com and get signed up. Dave's got a couple ways. I think it's 20 bucks, 22 if you're doing it with PayPal, something like 2250 or something crazy like that. Or you can support Dave's Patreon site. If you do it for as little as five, you get entry in. That's what I did last night when we were we were recording a home server show that's never going to make it to air because Dave only recorded one side of the conversation. Oh. <laughs> and that doesn't make a great podcast. We'll, we'll get back together and do it again. But uh, love to meet you and love to meet up with you at the, at the home server show meetup that's coming up here September 17th. Head over to homeservershow.com and you'll see one of the very top links says Meetup 2016. Click on that. You get there. Really inexpensive. We're going to have a great weekend at the Microsoft Store. I mean, at the micro. Well, we're going to go there too. But at uh, we're at, we're at the Indianapolis office for Microsoft. A great time was had last year. We're going to have some great sessions. You might want to join us there as well. I mentioned Patreon, and uh, of course, if you want to financially support us here, theaverageguy.tv. You can do that. Theaverageguy.tv/support. And our Patreon link is out there. We got a couple options. A buck if you want to jump in. I'm gonna make Mike. I think I'm gonna make some stickers. All right. I think I, I think that's what we're gonna do. Wow. Yeah, we're gonna make we're gonna make a laptop sticker or something that's got the tag logo on it. So uh, no 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 promises. But we'll uh, we'll we'll come up with something fun to goof around with. You got an idea? Mugs and T-shirts are just too much. I always think a sticker. That you know we can make a couple hundred of those things for. Just have them made in China. It's like 17 cents. Yeah. So uh, so if you're interested in supporting us, theaverageguy.tv slash support. Uh, don't forget, you can always send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. You can track me down on Twitter. Mike, I've been playing Twitter Go, not Pokemon Go, but Twitter Go. Uh, have you done that where you try to collect uh, followers? Oh, <laughs> I, I literally thought this was a thing for like the first two seconds you said that. But, no, no, no. but well, yeah, everyone, no, I've been playing with that too. Actually, you, oh. you said that you were kind of getting into it. I said I was going to try and get on that yeah. too. So I've been, uh, while people have been trying to collect Pokemon, I've been working our Twitter account. Almost 5,000 uh, following me now wow. on Twitter. Uh, just doing some fun stuff with it and trying to interact with people. And I'll actually start a conversation with you if you are if you want to do that on Twitter. Some of you, m most of you already follow me out there. And you know I tweet the weather and some of those kinds of fun things. But uh, I've been trying some new things out on Twitter, just having fun. So if you want to follow me out there, at Jay Collison is a great way to do it. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter yet, you might want to do that as well. I've revamped newsletter. Those are coming out every single week now. And so if you haven't signed up for it, head out to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter. This is not too hard to get this stuff, guys. And there's a place where you can sign up. Or you can catch, if you don't want to get the extra spam in your box, you can just read what I've done from the week before. It's on that page. I always update uh, with the most current newsletter. So you don't have to get it from me via email. The best part about the new newsletter, Mike, is the upcoming shows. Love it. So I've never done that before, and we've been posting upcoming shows that are coming up. 
you want to know what's happening in the next four weeks, you can head out there and get that. Mike, you're giving me a funny face. Did I say something? Oh, no, I just heard something. I'm trying to figure out what I'm hearing, not not from you, from out there. I might go check on it after um, we wrap up, right before the end of the but I was staring at you. I'm like, did I say something? No, wrong? sorry. Or... I probably had a really weird look on my face. Don't, don't forget, we mentioned LastPass a little bit earlier, and we're going to get Amber back on here, uh, hopefully by the end of the year. But um, LastPass, of course, sponsors our mobile app. Head out to homegadgetgeeks.com and download that that mobile app. The the best and easiest way to get us live. If you're only going to listen mobile, guys, that's the easiest way to do it. I am not joking. It's like one click live. Boom, you're in. You don't have to find me. You don't have to go to theaverageguy.tv. You don't have to click find the player. You don't have to go to Spreaker. It's just all right there. Just go on your mobile device. Have it downloaded and have it ready for you. I'm losing my voice here. Download and have it ready for you uh, when you're on the road. Great way to listen to it. And, of course, we want to say thanks for uh, for sponsoring or for using our sponsored Amazon affiliate link when you're out there. We call it the Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund. If you want to do that uh, when you're shopping at Amazon, use theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon, and that gets you there as well. We are live every Thursday, just about every Thursday. I will be taking uh, a little vacation uh, coming up here, but not until September. So weekend of the meetup, I am taking... Uh, taking that weekend off, so we won't do that. But coming up here, uh, in case I'll give you a little verbal version of the newsletter. Uh, coming up, Chris Nessie is coming up next week. He's going to talk about some ed tech. So, uh, so Nathaniel, this will blend in a little bit with mm-hmm. what you're talking about, but he's going to come at it from the software side. So Great. super excited about Chris coming on and talking about that next week. Dwayne is back the week after that, Dwayne Robinson. We're going to talk about Azure. So if you were interested in Azure for the average guy, Dwayne's going to come on here and say, how can the average guy use Azure? You know I use it for WordPress. That's one way to do it. Dwayne's going to come on and talk some more. J.C. Faulkner, I think I'm pronouncing that right, F-U-L-K-N-I-E-R. He uh, he came up with this little device called the Reset Plug. Kind of interesting. Let's see if you uh, see that. It comes in. I, um, it's over. Uh, oh, I unplugged it so I could show it to you guys, and then I left it out of arm's reach. Darn it. Anyways, he'll be on to talk about this product plus his gadget. It's kind of cool. This is kind of a self-funded little business he's doing. Basically, it checks your Wi-Fi, and if your Wi-Fi is down, it sends a reset to a power reset to your router, so it'll recycle. And you know, your your uh, you know how sometimes your wi- your wireless stuff gets all jammed up, or your router gets all jammed up. It'll reset everything for you. So cool little product. We're going to talk about that here in a couple weeks. Then Mike Howard and Mark Robinson are on, and I just messed this up last week. They're on to talk barbecue. So we're going to talk about barbecue tech. In there, I'm sure Unraid's gonna. I was gonna say no Unraid at all. No, I'm sure it's gonna come up. Yeah, I'm sure that's gonna come up. But we are gonna talk some barbecuing tech. Mark has been uh, just buying barbecues like there's no tomorrow. So we are going to uh, talk some barbecue tech. So those are all coming up the week after that. Joel's in. Joel Rushworth is in. He's a Windows Phone MVP, one of the few that are left. We're gonna talk about the status of the Windows Phone. I think this will be interesting because it'll be. Post the uh, post the August second kind of uh, the anniversary update that's happening for both PC and phone, so we'll kind of get an update on the status of where Windows Phone is or what's going on with Windows Mobile is probably the best way to say that. And then I was on Chad Boswick, uh, uh, Bostick, sorry, I was on his show HelloTechPros.com the other day. He'll be coming on to talk about his gadgets coming up here in September. So. Lots of cool stuff coming up. If you have someone you want me to interview, just let me know. We'll try and track it down. See if we can get him on the show. We are live each Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, at the Average Guy TV Live. I'm going to quit before my voice goes completely. And with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. <laughs>